faithful. That's the focus of our look at God this weekend as we continue in this series called On God. And it's, it's such a simple word, faithful. It's very, very common in circles of faith. But I'm just telling you, very often we get out of alignment on our view of God as being faithful. In fact, because it's such a simple and common word, we, we fail to understand the vital significance of it in our lives. And when you hear that phrase that we sang in worship just a few moments ago, there is none like you, none like you, faithful one. It's, it's beautiful, it's great, it's put to good music, but you just need to know that we'll never experience anything God has for us until we understand, embrace, and totally entrust ourselves to the idea that He's something we're not and yet need. He's faithful. And we need it because we don't experience it with one another. It's not that all of us are just horrible, awful, terrible, degenerate people, though all of us have messed up and fail and we're flawed. But the truth is, none of us can be defined by the word faithful. None of us. In fact, unfaithfulness is our common human experience, unfaithfulness. And it's a bummer, it's, it's a negative, it's difficult to deal with, and it produces all kinds of things as we're going to see, but, but we can find redemption in the unfaithfulness we experience from one another when we really understand and turn to the God who is faithful. And our common human experience is unfaithfulness in kind of two major ways. It's we experience suffering at the hands of unfaithfulness. In other words, other people are unfaithful to us. Every single one of us knows what it's like to experience a person who breaks their promise to us or breaks a commitment they made to us. And that's what unfaithfulness is, to, to speak love but to withhold it, to say I'll be faithful but not to be, to make promises and commitments but to break them. And, and it causes suffering in our lives. And every single one of us has experienced that in our lives, suffering at the hands of someone else being unfaithful to us. It's the cause of so much of the pain we experience in life. But it's, it doesn't stop with us suffering at the hands of someone else being unfaithful to us. A common human experience is that all of us know what it's like to be the hands of unfaithfulness. It's not just other people hurting us by unfaithfulness. We, each and every one of us, carry the guilt, the shame, the memories, the darkness, the disappointment of having been the hands of unfaithfulness to someone else to bring suffering into their lives. And the Bible, one of the great things about what God's given to us in the Bible is that he doesn't hide the reality of who we are as humans. In fact, he shares with us that even those who lived most profoundly for him throughout history were like us, experiencing unfaithfulness in their lives from others and from themselves. Great example of this is David. David is one of the profound characters in the Old Testament scripture, wrote many of the Psalms. He's one of the primary kings in the Old Testament that the Bible focuses on. He, 
he, he's called by God himself, a man after God's own heart, but he was a human, and as a human, he had the same experiences we have. He knew what it was like to suffer at the hands of unfaithfulness, but he also knew what it was like to be the hands of unfaithfulness. And you can see it in all the stories of his life, really, but look at the unfaithfulness that he experienced at the hands of Paul, a lot, at the hands of Saul, a ton of suffering there. You can find it all the way through the story of Saul and David, but in 1 Samuel 24, we find that Saul, for no reason at all, is trying to kill David except for this reason. David was getting more celebration of God's people than Saul was. But David wasn't trying to get the attention. He was doing it for Saul. But Saul got jealous and envious. He didn't want people saying, Saul has killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. You know, got there because David is the one who took down Goliath. If you've heard the story of David and Goliath. And so Saul was trying to kill him because David was getting more attention than him. David knew what it was like to suffer at the hands of unfaithfulness. Even someone like a king, King Saul, even someone who was supposed to be representing God in this world, just didn't work out that way. But David also give us, gives us the example of un, his own unfaithfulness to a guy named Uriah. Uriah was one of King David's great warriors. He was married to a woman named Bathsheba, but while Uriah was off to war fighting on behalf of King David, David decided to take Bathsheba as his own and then try to cover it up. And so Uriah suffered greatly at the hands of David's unfaithfulness. And so here we have this profoundly spiritual guy for the great portion of his life who is committing one of the worst acts of unfaithfulness you can imagine. And so this is the common human experience we have. And this is why we experience so much darkness in our world. I mean, none of us love the results of unfaithfulness, and yet all of us experience it. It's our common human experience. And why is it? Why is it that even a guy like David, people like us, experience unfaithfulness so naturally, so commonly, and no matter how much we want to overcome it, we don't? Well, the causes are pretty simple. The causes start with the fact that we have a hard time not focusing on ourselves. When you focus on self, you're going to be unfaithful because you'll do what's best for you and that almost always means you're going to hurt someone else in the process. You're going to betray someone. You make a promise because it seems good for you. You break a promise because it seems good for you. This is the reason unfaithfulness exists and you know it. You do it, so do I focus on self. Another cause is that we focus on the now. I mean, what I want now, what, what will bring me pleasure now, what will bring me comfort now, what will give me hope now. And so I don't think about any of the ramifications. This is how we can be unfaithful to kids and spouses and friends and God. And this is why others are unfaithful to us because they're only seeing the now. And you know you live there just like I do. It's why unfaithfulness is our common experience. It's why we can sing a song like there's none like you. You're the only faithful one. 
And the last cause I see that really, really brings us to the common experience of unfaithfulness is we focus on pleasure over purpose. If we focus on purpose, true value, true significance, true meaning in life at all times, we're, we're not going to leave people littered with broken promises in our lives. We're not going to want people to be in our pathway suffering because of our unfaithfulness. We're just not, but we, we focus on pleasure, and when we focus on pleasure, we'll take down anybody else in order to get it. Doesn't matter who we hurt. And you know, David is a great example of this. He focused on the pleasure of having Bathsheba for a moment, and in so doing, he failed his purpose, which was to honor God, to reflect God to people, to use his influence as king of the people of Israel for good purposes, but instead he used it for his own purposes. And, and you know, in the end, though he did it for pleasure, all he experienced was agony in the wake of it. Unfaithfulness comes because we pursue pleasure and we might get it for a moment, but we lose it for a lifetime and we fail in our purpose. It's just the worst of humanity. And I mean, you know it's the worst. Every bit of darkness we experience in life comes because of our common experience with unfaithfulness. And you just think of the consequences. There's the loss of trust. Why don't we trust each other? Because we've learned we can't. And because we've learned we can't trust each other, you know what happens is we stop trusting God. We, we see God through the lens of our common human experience. All we know is unfaithfulness. How in the world can we trust anyone or anything we can't? One of our campus pastors texted me after the conversation last night, this talk last night, and said, you know, boy, in my devotions this week, my time with God, I looked at faithfulness. And, and you know, human faithfulness is based upon what you did for me lately, what you're doing for me now. And I'll be faithful as long as you're doing what I need, but as soon as you're you're not doing what I need. I'm done. And that's why we have a loss of trust. It's like, you only want from me. You don't want for me. And it's just a mess. Whereas trust of God comes because of who he is, always faithful, no matter what. But we don't see it through that lens. We start judging God by what have you done for me lately, God? Are you kidding? You're looking at the one thing you want that I'm withholding from you for purposes that are good and you don't understand right now, but you're missing the 10 billion things I'm doing for you right now? I mean, we lower God to what have you done for me lately. We don't even know what he's doing. How can we get there? Because of our common human experience. It, our trust issues come because of unfaithfulness. Another consequence is broken relationships. Boy, who, who here doesn't have a life littered with broken relationships? We all have them. It doesn't take me long to think of all the unbelievably important relationships I've had in my life that I don't have today. And unfaithfulness, either mine or theirs, caused them in the end somehow. Another consequence is missed potential. Together we can do so much, alone we can do so little, and the more we lack trust and the more broken relationships, the less we'll ever be able to become in life. And 
significant regrets. Do you realize every regret I have, and I have a lot, every regret I have stems from unfaithfulness. I have not one regret from faithfulness. Well, I kept that promise, and man, am I upset. No, that's, none of my regrets come from that. And that doesn't mean keeping my promises always brings good things. It means my soul is wide open and bright and filled with goodness when I've kept a promise. It's the darkness of regrets that I can't stand, and it comes from unfaithfulness. I don't lay awake at night thinking about all the faithfulness I've achieved in my life. I think about the regrets I have because of unfaithfulness. Others are mine. Don't you? The darkness we have in our lives comes from our common human experience of unfaithfulness. Oh my gosh, this is why we so desperately need God. Because without faithfulness in our lives, we'll never have the trust we need, the relationships we need, we'll never fulfill the potential we need, and we'll live with regrets. This is what we're trying to overcome. That's why it's important that we get a hold of the truth. I, I love how David said it. Remember David, the one who was unfaithful and experienced unfaithfulness? Look at Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4. When I kept silent about my unfaithfulness, when I tried to cover it up and hide it and deny unfaithfulness, this common human experience, my bones wasted away inside through my groaning all day long. I mean, day and night, God, your hand was heavy upon me. I knew my failings. I knew the regret. It was always there. I was trying to hide it, but it was there. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. I mean, unfaithfulness, darkness. All of us bemoan the world we live in, and what we're bemoaning is unfaithfulness. We've got to fix it. We've got to find the answer. And the truth is, God's the answer. In this world of unfaithfulness, there is good news. And it's found in God's contrasting truth to our common human experience. And here's the truth. He's faithful. Now, when you realize unfaithfulness is the whole problem with humanity and culture and history and our brokenness, when you understand that, this is no longer so cute and simple. This is everything. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he's not human. So he's not like you. He's not like me. He's not unfaithful. He is the faithful God. 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God is is faithful, straight up. Now, rather than me kind of parsing this out for you, rather than me kind of going through some teachy-teachy moments about this, I'm going, to, I'm going to just spend my time applying it to your life, and I'm going to let someone else do the teachy-teachy just for a second, a different, more unique way that might draw in your attention so you can understand the importance of faithfulness and how God is faithful even though we aren't. So watch this. It's character in this way. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We're going to look at this last characteristic of God. It's the Hebrew word emet, which can be translated as faithfulness or even truth. It's related to another word you've probably heard before, amen, which is an untranslated Hebrew expression, meaning that's truth. 
So, emet can mean truth, and it can refer to correct ideas or concepts. This is because emet has to do with stability and reliability, like when Moses holds up his hands for hours to defeat Israel's enemies, the Amalekites. His friends put a rock under him and support his hands so that his hands will remain emet, or steady. When emet is used of people, it describes reliable and stable character, or trustworthiness. Like when Moses appoints leaders in Israel, they're to be people of emet, people who are trustworthy, who won't take bribes or distort justice. So to say that God is full of emet doesn't just mean that God tells the truth or stands for truth. It means that God is faithful and trustworthy. This is why Moses calls God a rock, saying that he's faithful, just, and upright. He's saying that he can trust God to be consistent to his character. And the Hebrew word for trust is actually the verb form of the word emet. It's he'emin. It can be translated as to believe or to have faith, but most basically it means to consider someone trustworthy or to trust. The first person we meet in the Bible who considers God to be trustworthy is Abraham. God makes a promise that Abraham and his wife Sarah will have a huge family and that through them, all nations will experience God's blessing. But Abraham and Sarah are really, really old and they've never been able to have any children. And yet in the face of these challenges, Abraham means God. He considers God trustworthy to open a way forward. And God does show Emet to Abraham and Sarah. In just four generations, their descendants form a whole nation called Israel. And God invites Israel into a trusting and faithful relationship. And when God leads them out of slavery in Egypt, Israel means in God. They trust and rely on him. But when they come to the land God promised to Abraham and they find out it's filled with giant cities protected by giants, their trust in God's Emet fails. But eventually we meet an Israelite who does trust God in the face of giants. It's David. He yells at the giant, you come with a sword and a spear, but I come with the name of the God of Israel. David consistently relies on God. In fact, it said that David walked in and met before God. So David considers God to be faithful and responds with faithfulness. This is why God promises to raise up a faithful descendant of David, whose kingdom will endure forever, or in Hebrew, have emet. This faithful king will become the source of trust and stability for others forever. But when the kingdom later collapses, the Israelites find themselves without a home and without a king. And they cry out, Oh God, where is your loyal love that you swore to David in your emet? They're accusing God of abandoning his promises to Abraham and to David. Is God trustworthy? Is he faithful after all? The first line of the New Testament is an answer to that question. This is the lineage of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In other words, through Jesus, God fulfills his promises. Or as Paul says, Jesus came on behalf of God's faithfulness. He is the faithful king whose kingdom will endure forever and who invites all nations to trust God. Now, trusting anyone is risky. It's hard to know if anyone is really full of emet. But the biblical story portrays a God who's been faithful all along and whose promises were fulfilled in the story of Jesus. And so as we look out at the obstacles facing us and our world, we're invited to take that same risk and join Abraham 
David and the people of God in trusting that God is overflowing with faithfulness. The truth is that he is faithful. It's the basis of everything we long for in him. It's the basis of everything we are made to experience in him. He's faithful, trustworthy, but we have to trust him. So here we are in the 21st century, long after Abraham and Sarah, long after Moses, long after David, long after Jesus walked the planet. What what does it mean for us, the reality, the truth, that he is faithful? What's it mean for us? Well, it means that we can always trust him, something we can't do with each other. Why? Because we're we're people who suffer at the hands of others' unfaithfulness, and, and we only suffer when we trust them, and then they break their promises. And the same is with others who trust us, and then we break our promises. But we can always trust him, which is why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You don't have to hold any part of it back. And this is our problem. We don't experience God fully because we hold part of our heart back from him because we're so used to unfaithfulness. It's our common experience, but we don't have to do that with him. All of us are holding pieces of ourselves away from him because we, we don't want to be hurt. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to be disappointed. We don't want to experience loss, but we don't have to do that with him because he's faithful. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You don't have to lean on your own understanding. Your own understanding will tell you that all you're going to experience is unfaithfulness. Don't lean on your own understanding. He's not like you or us. In all your ways, you can trust him, yield yourself to him, submit to him, follow him, because he, he's faithful. He's going to make your path straight. He's going to make your journey take you to the right place. He's faithful. We can always trust him. He's faithful. We can always count on him. Always there. I love James 4, 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. He's always there. We saw it last weekend in this series. God is always present. Did you know the truth is that our inability to always be counted on isn't always based upon us being unfaithful. It's based upon our limitations. We can only be in one place at one time, which means we can't always be there for each other. And it makes it feel like, even when they're keeping their promises, that they're unfaithful. You know, when you get married, I, as a pastor, I've, I've been a part of a ton of weddings and all those really cool songs like, I'll be there for you. And I'm saying, no, they won't. They're going to be like at work. You know, they're going to be, you know, doing their own thing and you're going to be here and you're going to feel like they're being unfaithful. They're not. They just, they can't always be near like God. I remember I learned this lesson big time and it feels like unfaithfulness, but it's not. My, my mom was my everything when I was a little kid. My everything. And she took me into Kmart. And by the way, this is a story. I've been the pastor here 30 years. And so this is a story I'm sure I've told before, but I mean, I've been the pastor here 30 years, so unless you want me to make up crap, I have to tell you stories of my life, right? So 
Uh, she took me into Kmart, and I got lost from her, and I just was bawling all around the store, and some of the workers there found me and took me to the customer service desk, and then I shouted over the microphone, much to my mom's horror, will the woman who lost her son, who doesn't even know who he is, please come to the customer service stand? You know, he's ruining the shopping experience here at Kmart. In fact, I'm probably the reason they've not done as well lately. But here, it was... It felt to me like she had failed me, but she just couldn't be everywhere at one time. And I was the one that wandered away from her. But he, you can turn to him at any time. And he's right there. We can always count on him. Because he's faithful, we, we will always find and fulfill our potential in him. Always. Always. With each other, we're going to miss potential. If you entrust yourself entirely to me, you're going to miss some of your potential because I, by the simple reality that I have lacked, lacking abilities and a shortcoming of capacity, I, I'm going to disappoint you. But with God, when we really trust him, we'll always find and fulfill our full potential, which is why Jesus said, I've come for this reason. Your common human experience is unfaithfulness. You've missed all your potential. You've fallen short of God's glory, but I've come that you can experience life in its fullness. Have it to the full. What you're missing is because of unfaithfulness, but you don't have to keep missing it because he's faithful. And because he's faithful, we will always be free of regrets in him. The thing that makes life so dark is regret. I mean, before we put our first leg into our pants in the morning, we're already haunted by all the regrets in the past, and which means this day is already filled with darkness from regret, which means that Today we're going to have regrets because we're lost in yesterday's regrets and it just perpetuates itself. But because he's faithful, when we trust him, we'll always be free of regrets. He's faithful. There's none like him. He's faithful. Look at John chapter 10. Jesus says it, verses 27 and 28, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No regrets, no darkness. 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow, the sorrow we have in following God and trusting God brings us back to him, brings repentance, which leads to salvation and leaves no regret. No regret. But worldly sorrow... Our common human experience of unfaithfulness brings death. It's all regret. What defines your life? Most of us are totally defined by our common experience of unfaithfulness. Broken trust and loss and broken relationships and mispotential and regrets. That's how we're defined. And we can come in here and worship and we feel really good in the moment, but then we leave and we're still defined by that. Or we can be defined by he is faithful, trust alive, relationships alive and healthy, not living in regret, which defines you. This is everything. It's not simple. It's everything. So uh, let's look at how 
we can make application to this in our lives. If we want to experience God's faithfulness in our lives, we who have a common experience of unfaithfulness, we need to make the choice to repent and receive him. I know repent's a weird word that you don't hear very often, but repent simply means that we need to change our mind or we need to change our direction. And the truth is, all of us by nature focus on our common experience of unfaithfulness and it's just breaking us apart. And what we have to do is we have to change our focus from our unfaithfulness to his faithfulness. We need to change our direction. Repent. The reason we're missing our potential for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, fall short of what he's given to us and what he's made us for is because we've been focused on the wrong thing. We've been turned in the wrong direction and we need to repent and then we need to receive him. We need to go from what we've received from each other to receiving him who's faithful. Look at Isaiah 53, 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Every one of us, unfaithful. Each of us has turned to our own way, focused on self, focused on pleasure rather than purpose. We've all messed up. But the Lord has laid on him, the Messiah, Jesus, who became the Messiah. Ultimately, we saw him for who he was when he was born. God laid on him, the Messiah, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. All the unfaithfulness of the world. People wonder what the cross is about. Why did he have to die on the cross? The cross was about all of the unfaithfulness that has destroyed us and our world was put on Jesus, the only one who was ever faithful as a human being in this world. And then he was buried, and all that unfaithfulness was tucked in that tomb. And then he rose again in fullness of new life so that he could give us what isn't our common human experience, faithfulness. But how do we get it? We have to receive him. Look at John 1.12. Yet to all who did receive Jesus, the faithful one. How? By becoming religious? No. By doing a bunch of good things? No to those who simply believed in his name. Do you know how you experience the faithfulness of God? By simply trusting him. Have you? Are you? When you trust the faithful one, he gives you the right to become children of God. He is faithful, which changes everything but you have to trust him, which is hard for us because our common human experience is unfaithfulness, which is why we have a hard time trusting. But don't hold God back because of your human experience. Trust him for who he is, the faithful one. Just before I give you a final couple of thoughts on how we can apply faithfulness. Would you just bow with me in a word of prayer for a moment? Because this is where it's the trust place where all of us have to be or we won't experience the results of his faithfulness. And every one of us, some of you already know Jesus, but you know there's been trust missing in your life. And I just want to encourage you to talk to him about it. Some of you are here in Plymouth or Grosseal or Brighton, and some of you are online with us right now, and you've never experienced his faithfulness in you. All you know is unfaithfulness. Why don't you receive Jesus right now? In fact, I'm going to pray, and I just want to encourage you, take my words and make them yours in this prayer. In your heart to God, just say, Jesus, you're the faithful one. You're the one I need.
I've been unfaithful. I've, I have sinned. I have blown it. I have messed up. I have focused on self. But you died on the cross to forgive me and rose again to give me new life. And so I'm receiving you, trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed with me, would you let us know? I mean, you can see it on the screen. Just text us at that number, and the message is our church name, Northridge, and we'll send you information about next steps you can take in your relationship with God. We don't want anything from you. We just want to give you information so you can walk with God more closely. But if we're really wanting to experience God's faithfulness, once we repent and change our mind and change our direction and receive him instead of living in the brokenness of unfaithfulness, then we need to commit to and live for him. I mean, I know we've been disappointed when we committed to other human beings and lived for other human beings because they, they've been unfaithful and we've been unfaithful. It leaves us with regret, but not him. We need to commit to and live for him. I, I love how Paul the Apostle said it. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that he is faithful and he's given him, himself for you to know faithfulness. I encourage you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That's true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? Unfaithfulness. Not trusting. Broken relationships. Mispotential. Regrets. Be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to experience, to test and approve what God's will is. Good, perfect, and pleasing. And finally, if we really want to experience God's faithfulness in our lives, we need to make the choice to remain faithful to him and faithful to his work. Because, you know, he's faithful. But when we're not faithful to trust him, it doesn't matter how faithful he is we don't experience his faithfulness. God was faithful, and David experienced the pleasure of God's faithfulness until David wasn't faithful. And what do we do? We blame God. What have you done for me lately? I've been faithful. Where have you been, is his answer. My life verse is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I've taken one verse out of all the verses of the Bible and I've attached it to my life in a foundational way because I need to remember that if I'm not faithful, I don't experience his faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you can know, because he's faithful, you can know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There are moments in my life where it feels like being faithful to God is loss because in being faithful to God, I often have experienced the unfaithfulness of other human beings. But I need to remember that even if I lose the faithfulness of every human being on the planet, but have the faithfulness of God as my experience, I still have life and life to the full. I can trust and I can live without regrets. 
just want to encourage you in your life. I want to encourage you. Remain faithful to him and his work because in him you can know that your labor is not in vain, which is why we sang the worship chorus we sang at the beginning. There's none like you, none like you, faithful one, Jesus. That's our God. He's the one we need. So let's be faithful and trust him this week. And we might experience some difficulties because we live in a world where people are unfaithful to us. But we won't have one regret because he's faithful. So glad you were here this weekend. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next time. Thank you.